Father God, we just commit the rest of this service to you. We ask that, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would move in a powerful way. We thank you, God, that uh, we have this moment in time to turn to you. I pray that the words that come from my lips would flow from your throne. I pray, Jesus, that uh, you would get all the glory today. And I pray against any distractions right now might want to come against us. I pray that you send your strongest angelic messengers to guard the way in front of us today. I pray they'll come to the north, south, east, and the west and guard. And I ask Jesus that as we look at your word today, as we're challenged by it, that we would apply it to our lives. So please, Lord, I'm your messenger that you've chosen to use today. I pray that you'll just use me, please. We ask this in the strong and mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Father's Day, and uh, every once in a while you'll see a video that reminds you, if you've ever been to a ball diamond or a baseball diamond or a place where your kids are playing, when one child yells, Dad, every child turns towards their dad, and then when every father hears dad, it's a familiar sound that he has, and he turns his head towards that sound. Every once in a while, it's good to remember the good that we do as fathers. And here's a video to remind us of some of the things that we do well. Take a look at this. I love personally when I hear our children uh, say dad to me. In September of this year, uh, my father passed. This is the first Father's Day uh, for me today without my dad. And uh, I'm grateful that my dad knew Jesus Christ. Grateful that he left that gift behind that I know I'll get to see him again. It's an interesting thing that happens to a child when their father leaves the earth. You can't describe it unless you've experienced it. Today, I'm reminded of the importance that we have as fathers. As I think about my father and the impact he had on me, I'm reminded of the last conversation I had with my dad. I was sitting at a baseball game with pastoral staff. We were watching a game that was close, the Cleveland Indians, against the Detroit Tigers, and the Indians clenched that night. It was about the sixth inning, and we were seated up in the upper deck, and I was sitting with Pastor Mike, and I was sitting with Pastor John and Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Tannen. And as I was seated there, my phone buzzed in my pocket, and I looked down, and it was my father. 
picked it up and thought, I got to talk to dad. The game's going on, the crowd is loud, and fans are cheering, and on the other end of the phone is my dad. And I'm hearing my father talk and realizing that he had been sick for a couple days, not knowing exactly that in one day he would die. Had no idea that my father was that close to death. And as I'm talking to my father on the phone, he's telling me something that took place just a day before where he felt like he experienced or had seen God in a real way. And as we're talking and I'm conversing with him, trying to talk above the sound and not really caring about the game, we're nearing the end of the conversation. In my last conversation with my dad, he said these words that, that I'll never forget. He said, Jimmy, I want to let you know that I'm proud of you. As I'm watching this game, and my father's on the other side of the phone, and people are cheering, I began to get choked up because it's my father speaking to me. And when a dad says, I'm proud of you, even as a 55-year-old man, it means something to you. So I went on to close the conversation, and I asked my dad, I said, Dad, can I just pray for you? So in the midst of this large crowd and sound going on and trying to hear I prayed favor and blessing and protection over my father. And I told my dad before I hung up, I love you. 23 hours later, my dad died. Something was pulled from my world, this relationship that was very important to me. One that held me up, propped me up, supported me. His generosity and his love was, quite frankly, you can't replace that. And so today, as I look across this field today... I know those same kind of relationships exist or long to be existing. And as I look across our world today and I know all the stats about the impact that dads can have, I really believe this with all of my heart. It's just not something that I say because it's a quote that I made up. But I believe if you get the man, you get the family, you get the community, and you get the world for Jesus. I believe that with all of my heart. And as a father and as a dad... Our influence is irreplaceable. The way you love Jesus Christ, the way you love God the Father, will directly impact your little girl's view of God. The way that you love her, the way that you care for her, the way that you talk to her, the way that you protect her, the way that you love her mom, the way that you have a a work ethic, the very things that you and I do as dads directly influence your daughter's view of God. If you're a, a God or a dad whose view of God is, I don't need him, then your daughter says, I don't need God. We have great influence. I'm excited about that. And so when I see the stats out there that show this missing dad syndrome, I look across this field today and say this, we have an incredible opportunity. And you and I, and I know many of you, and in my perspective and what I see at Grace and what I see in this community, I think we can reverse the trend. I think in the midst of this field today are men who know how to love God who know how to love Jesus, who know how to love their wives, who know how to love their children, in turn, can directly influence this community. I get excited about that. This past week, I was asked to do a podcast with Real Men Connect. It's the number one men's podcast, ministry podcast. And I was asked 
for my second time back to do a men's podcast. And the question was proposed because word is on the street because of you. And the word came back to me by Dr. Joe Martin. He wanted to know why men come to Grace Community Church. He wanted to know why we have so many, many men involved in discipleship. He wanted to know why 400 volunteers in our children's ministry, 200 of them are men. And he asked this question, you need to tell the world why men are back. How can you reach men? And so I listen in and I talk on this podcast and I begin to rattle off stories that we have here at Grace Community, men that love their wives. We have men that are great fathers and we have men who understand that we have an opportunity to influence their families and the generations to come. And so as I talked, I was reminded that we have a great chance. And as I got to the end of this conversation with my father, and as I reflect back on that September night setting in Cleveland Indians Field, I recall this conversation, and it struck me that my dad had passed down to me these traits that are invaluable that I need to pass down to my children and to my boys or our boys and our children. A long time ago, there was a man by the name of David. Most of us know him as the giant slayer. Most of us know him as a man who was young and was unafraid of a giant who blasphemed his God. He's coming to the end of his life, just like my dad did. He's having his last conversation with his son Solomon. He has a chance to pass on words of wisdom to his son. It's his last conversation recorded with his son. And as Solomon is seated in front of him, David is saying these words to his son, I'm about to die. And because I'm about to die, you must continue to pick up where I left off. He passes down these words that I want to pass down like he did from a father to a son. I want to pass down these words to fathers so they can pass them down to their sons too. Grab your Bibles and let's see these last words of a man that we know as King David. And turn to 1 Kings chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to 1 Kings chapter 2 and let's see these last words of David to his son Solomon. I ask you to stand as we read these words out loud. 2 Kings chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Now keep in mind, this is a conversation from a dad who's about to die, passing them down to his son who is 18 to 20 years old, who's about to take his seat as the king of Israel. Let's read these words out loud together. Ready? Read. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. Be strong Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. You may have a seat. Dad giving his parting words to his son. 
Solomon, roughly 18 to 20 years old, sitting with his giant slayer dad. He has a lot to pass on to him. What might be your parting words, dads, to your children if you knew tonight was your last day on earth? What might be that final phone call that you have with your child? I recall back my dad, his final words that he spoke to me were, I am proud of you, Jim. What might be your final words? David gave these words. He said, be strong and act like a man. Like, I love that phrase. I love everything about that. He could have said a thousand different things. But he's looking at young Solomon, who's leaning in, who respects his father, the giant slayer, the king of Israel. He looks up at him, and David looks down to Solomon. He said, be strong and act like a man. Picture if you can. Your daddy leaning in and saying, I have just a few things to say to you, and I want you to hear this. Be strong. Now, what might that mean? What was he saying to young Solomon? The word strong has the idea is to be able to withstand great force and pressure and to be well fortified. In other words, whatever comes at you, be willing to take a hit. And if you fall down, get back up. I love that picture. Be strong, David. And he's passing this on to Solomon. David heard that in his leadership, and now he's passing it on. Why would he tell him to be strong? Because he would face things, Solomon, in his life that would make him shake in his boots. There would be decisions he would have to make that would require some guts. There would be a temple that needed to be built, a nation to rule. And there would be moments in his leadership that many would disagree with him. And when he said this to Solomon, he reminded him, be well fortified. Be willing to take a hit. Don't run from pressure. Don't back down, stand up, and never retreat. Like, I love those words from a manly man like David to Solomon. Be strong, Solomon. Be strong. Strong enough to stand in the face of physical, verbal, emotional, and spiritual opposition. Be willing to do hard things, Solomon. As a kid, we would play a game called Red Rover, Red Rover. Anybody remember that? And so one group would stand on one side of, of the yard and the lawn. And you would line up and you would grab the hands of the person beside you. And you dared someone from the other team to come running over. And so you would say, Red Rover, Red Rover, I dare Billy over. And you knew that in order to win, that you had to stop his penetration. You had to put a wall that was fortified. You had to resist the pressure. You had to be willing to stand, even if you know it might snap your wrist off. And I can remember as a young boy, knowing that this is the make or break moment. And remember looking at the guy beside me or the girl beside me and saying, listen, we're going to do this. And I can recall at times sliding my hand from their hand if it was weak and grabbing their wrist. And I can remember big people, little people trying to penetrate this wall that was fortified. And as David is looking at at Solomon, he's saying, build a good wall, get a good grip. Hold on, even if you think you can't hold on. Red Rover, Red Rover, Solomon, you can dare anyone over. Because great 
It's the Lord inside of you. In Joshua 1.9, we hear those words. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then he says this phrase. I love this phrase. I love everything about this phrase. In fact, I wish it was in 3D in my Bible. Not only did he say, be strong, Solomon, but he said, act like a man. I want you to act like a man. What does it mean to act like a man? Keep in mind, he was young. He was 18 to 20. And he was going to take the seat of the king and rule. And he needed to lead well. So, so David looks at Solomon and says, you got a man up, big boy. It's time for you to act like a man. You can no longer be an adolescent. You can no longer be a little boy. Your card has been called. Your name has been brought to the top. It's time for you to man up. He would need to take initiative. There was no room for timidity and passiveness and indecisiveness. He would need to take initiative so that he would be able to be the man that he needed to be to rule. I love this phrase because it's still true today. We need real men. We need dads doing noble assignments. We need boys to become men, and we need men to act like men. Let me break this down, what this might mean to you and me today. I picture Solomon looking up at his father and saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. David was well-respected king. So what does it mean to act like a man? It means that you must have responsibility over passiveness. You just can't just hope it goes away. In other words, it's something that you need to handle. If there's a sin in your life, or if there's a conversation you need to have with someone you don't need want to have, if there's a conversation you need to fess up and, not, and take responsibility, you can't be passive. You must be responsible. You must man up and take full responsibilities for your actions. And when you blow it, you say, I blew it. You don't pass the buck. You don't blame someone else. You don't whine about it. You confess, you repent, and you say, I take responsibility. That's what a man does. What else does it mean to be a man? It means placing the interests of others above your own. Let me say something today. Just remind us. It's not about you, and it's not about me. God doesn't want the world to revolve around us. He wants us to place the interests of others above our own. He wants you to place your money, your time, your talents, and your service to others above your own needs. So as a father, you must care for the needs of your children. You must love your wife, lead your wife, care for your wife. Take whatever it takes to protect her. What else does it mean to act like a man? It means to fear not. What are you doing right now? Let me ask the question. I want you to answer this question. What are you doing right now in your life that you're not comfortable with doing? What are you doing right now in your life where you are depending on God and not your experience? I watch this happen as men age. They run to what they're good at. They, they, they want to do things that they're good at. And they'll do it alone. Yet when you call him 
to do something they don't want to do, they won't sign up and they won't show up. But when you want to act like a man, you set fear aside and you try things you never tried before. You're willing to step in even though you're not good at it. You're willing to show people that you don't have that ability, but you're going to give everything you have. It takes a lot to be a man. What else does it mean to act like a man? Well, I need, I need two men right now. Just walk up on stage. I need you for an illustration. Can I just have two men come up and join me on stage? What does it mean to act like a man? Got Chris and Daniel. Thanks, guys. We got him, bro. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Daniel, can I get you over here to my right? Chris, I'll get you over here on my left for now. What does it mean to act like a man? You know what act like a man is? It means don't act like a woman. So for sake of illustration, so we understand this, Daniel, I'm, I'm grateful that you volunteered today, so I need you to put this on, okay? You need to put a tutu on for me today. Can we thank Daniel here? Daniel, I need you to wear a hat. When David said to Solomon, act like a man, he said, don't act like a woman. Now think about that for a second. What does that mean, to to not act like a woman? When you act like a man, you lead your wife. You honor her, you love her, you cherish her, you protect her, you fight for her, you give your best for her, you don't give her leftovers. You love her and care for her and cherish her like you would your Smith & Wesson. You love her and cherish her like you would your 68 Corvette. You love her and care for her like you were the were had a hold of the deer mount on your wall. You would care for her and cherish her like you do your 401. You love her, lead her, take care of her like you would for a Harley Davidson. You cherish her. You also, to act like a man and not like a woman, you lead your family. You don't follow them. You show them the way. Your role is to navigate, to make a decision that's spirit-led. That says, come on, let's go. It's taking your wife and saying, this is the way we go. And it's saying, we need to recalculate. We need to make a U-turn quickly. We need to go north. We need to go south. We need to go east and west. But you lead your family. In order to act like a man, you don't act like a woman. Another way that you do this. You lose the drama, dudes. Listen to me. I get sick and tired of it. Let me speak as a man to a man that wants to act like a woman. Listen to me a second. Some of you really need to hear this one today. You get offended over the dumbest stuff. I wish this was a men's gathering only because I would say something else. But man up. When you post how hard your day was on Facebook, I want to beat you up. When you fish for sympathy and you want comments about how hard your day's going to be and how hard it is to be a dad and how hard it is to be a husband, I want to say, you made the choice. You're the one who signed up for that. When you fish for sympathy, don't come fishing my way. Don't act that way. 
act like a man. Lose the drama. Listen, lose the drama, men. We don't need grumps. I, I see men, I watch men, they wake up and they're grumpy. Listen, that's not acting like a man. That's acting like someone who chooses to live their life with drama. Your role is to lead. Your role is to allow God to see you leading your family. Don't act like a woman. Listen to me, men. I watch men who love to just use the F-bomb. It's like it's another word in the language. Let me just tell you something what I know about dudes. Let me tell you what I know about insecure dudes. Insecure dudes use the F-bomb. You know why you use the F-bomb? Because you're insecure. You don't know who you are in Jesus. As David said to Solomon, act like a man. You don't need F-bombs to draw attention to yourself. Act like a man. Be gentle, care, and cherish the woman in your life. What does it mean to act like a man? It means don't act like a woman. And it also means don't act like an animal. So Chris, can you act like an animal for us? Don't act like a woman and don't act like an animal. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and let me show you what I mean. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Don't act like a woman and don't act like an animal. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, but mark this. Paul says to young Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of Monday, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal or animal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with these people. As I watch the world unfold, I continue to see people act like animals. As David said to Solomon many years ago, it's time, men, that we act like men. Be strong. Don't act like women. Don't act like animals. Open the door for your wife. Pick up your clothes, men. Brush your teeth. You're not an animal. Quit acting like a sloth. Take a shower. Use deodorant. You're not an animal when it comes to showing love to your wife. You're not like a lion who wants to make love 20 to 40 times in a day. Act like a man. Cherish. Hold up. Care for your wife. So what does it mean to act like a man? It means don't act like a woman and don't act like an animal. Can we thank these guys for demonstrating today? Or you can just keep it and wear it. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. Paul said this, and it's applicable to today. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. 
When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Here's what that means. You want the Jim Brown version? Throw away your binkies, boys, and act like a man. Why do I say that? Because today, 18 to 30-year-old men are spending more time playing video games a day than 12 to 17-year-old men are doing. Men are spending three hours a day on video games and 4.54 hours a day watching TV. That means that men are spending over seven and a half hours in front of a television screen. It doesn't stop there. Even the term adolescence, it used to refer to a, a small window of time when a boy tries to get to manhood. Yet sociologists are telling us today that it's lasting into late 40s for men. Seriously, think about that. Men are still being boys in their 40s. Think about this. Even the code of men, of gentlemen, is collapsing. There was once a common understanding that there are standards of actions and behavior for men to which they should hold themselves. Men would keep their word. Men do not take advantage of women. Men support their children. Men watch their language in front of women and kids. But the code is fading. In fact, today, the world has more single moms than ever before. More adultery. Boys still live with their parents in their 40s and 50s who refuse to become men. Even today, you can talk to people and sociologists will show you that's become so bad that when a woman considers marrying a man, she makes sure the future, sure the future mother-in-law has a job so that she will support them when he can't. We have boys who have yet to become men who are coddled by their moms. Moms who pay the rent, cook his supper, call in sick for him. Some call it midlife crisis, trying to find himself, doing stupid things with guy friends, even into his 30s and 40s. Men who are supposed to be men, 30 and 40 years old, kicking each other in the gut, guzzling down kegs, seeing who can run the most beef down his colon. Fantasy sport leagues that consume as much as 30 hours of his week. Video games and watching who can spit the furthest. That's not acting like men. And as David said to Solomon, act like a man. And to be quite frank, it probably won't be long till we have strollers at the mall and grocery stores for men with meat binkies, beer sippy cups, being pushed by their living girlfriends who are quick to say, he's got great potential, doesn't he? This is hard news, man. But here's what I know. All across this field are men, real men, who refuse to go this way. Men who remain at their post, who will stand and fight when no one else will for the well-being of their family and the underprivileged in the world. Men who don't retreat and acquiesce and ask their wives to lead. Men who lead. You have what it takes. And as David was looking at Solomon, as my dad told me, and as you can hear from me today, you have what it takes to be the man that God wants you to be, to live to your redeemed potential. What else does he say to him? 
Look what he says. So be strong like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Observe what God requires and walk in obedience to God. Keep his decrees. Here's what that means today. It means this is your handbook. This is your guide for life. This is how you navigate your family. This is how you navigate your life. This is when you know, recalculate, recalculate, do a U-turn. This is the book that you need to know. David wrote earlier on in Psalm. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You should know your manual. You should be familiar with it. You should know that there's 66 books. You should know that this will give you the answers to everything you need. You should know and be more familiar with this than you are a Chilton's handbook. You should be more familiar with this than you are your ESPN app. You should be more familiar with this than any video game that you have. This is your handbook. This is how you navigate. This is your hope. And this is what you pass on to your children. Can I get one amen out of that? This is what should be near and dear. Love it. Observe it. Read it. Memorize it. Study it. Know it. Make it a part of your heart so that when you're confronted with temptation, you would say, thy word have I hid in my heart. I'm not going to do that because this would sin against my God. And so one day when we stand before God, man, God's going to ask you and me this question. What did you do with all the talent, gift, resources, and time and years I gave you? Are you leading well? Did you never compromise your faith system? Every day when you wake up, remember why you're here and who your God is. David is looking at his son Solomon and telling him, hide these words in your heart. Don't ever leave this book. Memorize it. Study it. Pass it on to your children. Pray with them. Trust in Jesus Christ for everything. Well, Mother's Day of this year, I went back home and got to visit with my mom who's suffering with Alzheimer's. It's an interesting thing to sit with your mom who doesn't fully comprehend everything that's going on. And while I was home, I decided to go visit my dad's tombstone. All by myself. I drove to Leitersburg, Maryland. I drove back this dusty lane. I looked across this graveyard and I knew where we had buried him. I had yet to see his tombstone. I got out of the car and made my way down. And I found my dad's tombstone. As I knelt in front of my father's tombstone, I just began to weep. Because I missed him. And I love him. And I'm grateful for him. And I was reminded that the greatest gift that my dad left me wasn't any possession or anything that was in his house or in his bank account. The greatest gift that my dad left me was that he knew Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And as I knelt there, 
all by myself, no one else in the graveyard. I pondered these thoughts because beside him was another brown and to the right of that brown was another brown and to the left of him was another brown. There was brown, 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 brown. And I wondered this. When I pass this earth and I breathe my last breath and my children drive down a dusty lane and come to my tombstone and they walk to my tombstone, What will they remember about me? And I looked across this graveyard, and I began to read the names on all the tombstones, and I wondered, what did that person leave behind? What is that person remembered for? What is that person remembered for? I got up and stood and just offered a prayer out loud to our Father God. And once again, I thanked the Lord for my dad. And I said these words that I'll never forget. Thank you, God, that my dad, Charles James Brown Sr., left me the greatest gift of all, that he trusted in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What will your children say when they come to your tombstone? Let me pause for a second and say this. All over this field are men who have already left the greatest gift that they can leave their children, Jesus Christ. Men who will fight for their brothers, their sons, and their daughters, and their wives, and their homes. And I've watched you do it. And if I were to line up all the men from all the churches across America, I mean this with all in my heart. And I could choose men that I would link arms with, that I would storm the gates of hell with a water gun with. And if I had a choice to choose any men to march into battle against the enemy, I would choose you, men, every single time. You know why? Because I've watched you. I've served with you. I've seen you take the lead and act like men. In order for us to be manly men who fearlessly stand for Jesus, Daddy Dave said to his son Solomon, read this book, love the God who wrote this book, and do what this book says. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you prayed with your child? When is the last time you memorized a passage of scripture? When is the last time you served your wife? When is the last time you sat down with them and connected the dots from life to God? Would your children come to your tombstone and say, my daddy lived by the book. My daddy led by the book. My daddy loved the author of the book. My daddy showed me how to love Jesus. And as Daddy Dave is looking at Solomon, he's reminding him, observe what God requires because it's important. And here's why. Look what he says. Here's why you should do that. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2. He says, if you do this, do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If we do this, what he's saying is this, there's a promise and a blessing attached. If we lead and love God, it's passed on to our children. It's passed on to their children. First Samuel chapter two and verse 30 says this, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Now, let me just say something. Some of you, all you do is complain. You spend five minutes with you. You tell me why you don't like something in your ministry. 
You tell me how hard it is. You tell me how you wish your wife was different. You tell me you wish your kids were doing this. All you do is complain. All you do is gripe. And when you do that, you're giving your children permission to gripe and complain. They don't want to spend time with you. But if you understand who God is, you know this, that no matter what you face and no matter what they face, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when you know who you are and you know who your God is, there is nothing that can stand against you. God honors those that honor him. He despises those who despise him. The God of the universe will place his favor on you and your children. We mean nor frontline men. God will make you successful in whatever you do when you follow him. Picture him leaning into Solomon and saying, Solomon, now hold on. Be strong. Act like a man. But I also want you to obey the decrees. But here's why. Listen, there's a promise attached. Don't check out. Don't tune out. Hold on to this because I'm going to die. And before I die, we need successors on the throne who will follow after God. And if you do these things, and if you obey his word, favor, blessing, and protection is on you and your family to come. It was so important to him to do this. Let me ask you a question today. If someone saw your name in public, and when they do in public, what do they say? When our older son played baseball for Fairfield High School, this was his jersey. He wore this jersey, as did our other children, when they were on the sports fields too. But there's something different about this jersey. When he wore this jersey in high school, when he played outfield, and their team made it to the final four, there was something different about this jersey. When Ann and I would watch from the stands, we knew what his number was. But when we saw him run out, it had this on the back. Brown. And every time I saw that name, Brown, on the back, I asked myself this question. What do people think when they see my name? What do people say when they see our family name? What are people thinking when they see our name? And so today I wonder this. When your son or daughter walks out in this community and they have your name on the back of their jersey, what's the first thing that comes to mind? That first thing, I guarantee you, is a reflection of who you are and what you've passed down. And how you live your life. And the reality is this. When they take their name into the business world. When they take their name into a marriage. When they take their name to another state. Their name goes with them. And everything that you've poured into that name. Everything that you contributed to that name. Goes with them. When their name appears in a list of resumes. Does your name come to the top? Does the interviewer or the person hiring say, I want a Brown. I want a Smith. I want a Swartz. I want a Penyon. I want a Green. Does your name make them say, I want a child of that father? Because if he or she is anything like their daddy, then I want them. And as Solomon was hearing these words from his father, David. David is saying, listen to me, this is important to me. Because you take your, my name with you. 
And I worked hard for this name. I've put blood, sweat, and tears into this name. I put integrity and purity. I've studied hard. I've worked hard. And it took years for this name. I want you to know that because of the way I lived, I've set you up for success and failure. So what have you set your child up for? Let me ask this question today. Will you join me and the hundreds of other men who fearlessly carry the banner of Jesus Christ to the nations? Now listen, this isn't, yeah, I'll do it. Are you willing to stand when others crumble in fear? Will you quit your whining and complaining about how hard your job is and how ticked you are that you have to do stuff? Are you willing to be strong? Fortified wall, impenetrable patrol, Red Rover, Red Rover. Are you willing to act like a man who's responsible and not has passiveness, who doesn't act like a woman, who doesn't act like an animal, but who follows God? Are you willing to follow him in radical obedience? Are you willing to leave your childish ways and throw away your binky? So that the favor of God rests on your children and their children and their children. You see, Kid Fest is happening inside. Man Fest is happening out here on the field. And Man Fest can turn into Dad Fest. And when Man Fest and Dad Fest chase after Jesus, every single one of those kids in there get handed a name that sets them up for success. Real men shamelessly stand for Jesus. Maybe it's time you do that. You can't stand for Jesus Christ if you don't know Jesus Christ. Now here's what I know. Here's the moment where the enemy is going to tell you a bunch of lies. And I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of truth. Listen to me. You can't follow after God if you don't know Jesus Christ. As a young boy, when my dad left the home, and I was left in a single-parent home all alone, and I saw my mom crying at night because she didn't know how she was going to make it, I didn't fully understand what was going on. My three siblings, my sisters, we didn't know what was going on. Mom was lonely. She was hurting. She didn't know what was happening. My dad left at that time. And so we were left alone. Fast forward, we ended up in a church where a sweet lady by the name of Mabel Hub told me, Jimmy Brown, I know a dad and a father that will never leave you nor forsake you. I was five years old. I was part of Kid Fest. And I believed her. Fifty years ago, she told me that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you something. She was right. God has never left me. And in that small room, in that, in that musty Sunday school classroom in Hagerstown, Maryland, I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I asked God the Father to never leave me nor forsake me. And what happened in that room changed the direction of my life forever. It catapulted me to a whole other direction. It wasn't anything I did. I just fully trusted in Jesus Christ. And by his grace, I was saved. Here's what I know to be true. Across this field, 
are men and women and children who need to make that same decision. Across this field are people who could die today. You could leave on your motorcycle. You could be in an accident. You could get shot today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear me out. You won't stand before God one day. You will end up in hell. My mission and my message is this today. I want you to know the God that I know. I want you to know the Jesus that I know. I want you to experience what I experienced 50 years ago. And here's what I know to be true. Jesus is real. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's the problem. Most of us don't realize this. We think we can get to God by doing good deeds. Listen to me. No imperfect man can ever get to a perfect father. It takes a perfect connection. And the perfect connection is Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe he was raised from the dead, hear me out, you will be saved. Saved. How long? Forever. I want you to do something right now. Please. This is the best and most important decision you'll ever make. I want you to ask this question. If you were to die today and stand before God and he were to ask you this question, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? The only answer to that question is I trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Dads, future dads, the greatest gift that you can give your child is what my father gave me. It's to know Jesus Christ. You see, here's what I know. I'm going to die one day and my kids are going to come to my tombstone. And I'm going to leave behind a gift for them. And the gift is this. They're going to see me again like I'm going to see my daddy again because I trusted in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, do you really know Jesus today? Maybe you've been pretending and if you don't have a moment in your life where you said, that's it. I trusted in Jesus. I repented of my sin and I made him the Lord and leader of my life. Then you have no gift to leave your children. You could leave them a Corvette. You could leave them a 401. You could leave them a million dollars. Yet that million dollars will never allow them to ever see you again. That stuff doesn't matter. It's all about relationship. So let me ask all the men across this field, do you know Christ? Maybe you got invited today. Maybe you came to win a Harley Davidson. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ is better than a Harley Davidson. Maybe this appointed time was for you. And maybe he cleared the skies today and he held the rain at bay because he wanted you to make a decision to trust Jesus Christ. That's what our God does. He loves you that much. He loves you so much that he held the rain and he sent it to LaGrange in Warsaw because he knew that you would be here today in this moment. And maybe you came with someone. Please, if I could come and wave a wand over you and save you on my own, I would not leave this field. I would walk to every single, but I can't do it. It's only something you can do. So I'm asking you to bow your heads and 
please don't, don't leave, don't get up, don't. Let me ask you this question again. Do you know Jesus Christ? Can you be strong and courageous with him? Are you able to lead your family? Because Christ lives in you. You see, this is the day, this is the moment, this is the time. This is why the sun is shining. (laughs) Because Jesus wants you. He gave his life for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all across this field, fathers, sons, daughters, people, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to pray with me. Quietly, dear God, I need you. I'm realizing that I'm trying to do it on my own. Please forgive me my sin. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. I believe he was raised from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. I trust in you and you alone. I'm now a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you're seated out there and you're a daddy. Here's what I know to be true. My son Joshua, my daughter Hannah, and my son Isaiah know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's the greatest gift they've ever given us as parents. I want you to do something, dads. If you know Christ, I want you to turn. Hold on. I want you to turn to your wife. I want you to turn to your children. I want you to ask them. I want you to act like a man. I want you to turn to your foster children. I want you to turn to your exchange students. I want you to ask them, do you know Jesus Christ? And if you don't, I'll walk with you. Children, maybe this is the time for you. Maybe you invited your daddy here today because he doesn't come to church. And you've been praying a long time. I want you to go to your daddy and say, dad, dad, please, dad, please, dad. I don't want anything. I don't want a gift. The greatest Father's Day gift you could give me is to trust in Jesus Christ. Wives, I give you permission. This isn't nagging. This isn't begging. This is sincerely and humbly going to your husband and saying, please, please don't go another day. Don't go one more second without Jesus. I can't do it alone. I want you. And maybe you're here as a single. And God has placed someone on your heart that's in this field. And you know who it is. And he's saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to go to them and I want you to ask them, do you know Christ? And if you don't, I'll walk with you. So as the band plays, if you want to trust in Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to come. Just come up to the front and just kneel. Just just come and ask some questions. And if you've got to walk with someone, then so be it. Just make this the day. Don't sit there. If you want to trust in Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to come. I give you permission to ask others. Just come. We'll wait. I'm going to ask you to stand as we do this. Just come to the front. Just kneel. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make 
me Even if you got to come from the back, we want you to come. But the blood of Jesus. Don't fight it. What can wash away my sin? Don't fight it. Nothing but the blood Wives, turn to your husbands. Jesus. Children, go find your daddy. What Brothers, go find a brother. Dudes, go find a dude. Walk with them. Well, if you got to move to one side to the other, if the Spirit of God is saying, I got to go to the other side of the field and ask this person, and you do it. Teenagers, don't fight. Don't let pride stop you. today rain won't come on dad fest God you love all these individuals in front of me so much that you parted the skies like you parted the Red Sea for them so God I pray in an unusual way 
I pray that they would know what it means to trust in you. I pray that now that the Holy Spirit lives in them, that they would know truth and they would make decisions that line up with your word. I pray, God, for your favor and protection when the enemy comes and tries to distract them and tell them otherwise. We celebrate this moment. We celebrate this moment. And God, we lift your name high. This was your work. You draw, you save, you seal, and you just ask us to give the message. I pray for the families that they're connected to. I pray that the movers and shakers of Jesus Christ would come from their families. I pray that generations to come. I pray that many kings would sit in their seats because of the favor that they're passing on. And I pray that when their names come up in public, that their resumes would come to the top. That their positions would be in such a way and a new platform would be given that you would be exalted. God, I never tire of watching this. And may we always be a church, a saving station for lost souls. So we commission this group. We send them out in the strong, powerful, and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can we thank God for what he did today? I'm going to ask you to do something now. I spoke to men today. And I asked you something. I said, be strong. Act like men. Observe the laws and the decrees. Hide them in your heart. I told you not to act like animals and not to act like women. But to follow God with all your heart. If that's something you want to do today, I'm going to ask you to do something. Not because every other man is doing it. Because when you take this step, you are setting an example in front of everyone here that you're going to act like a man, a real man, doing noble assignments for Jesus Christ. See, something happens when men link arms. If you want to be that man and lead your home, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to line up on both sides of the center aisle face towards the center if you're going to take that noble assignment to be strong act like a man follow the decrees of God and to lead your wives and your families and your future well go to the center and stand side by side shoulder to shoulder facing each other and if you got to come longer and work your way down to the parking lot so that you can get side by side then so be it and if you got to work your way right to the front of the stage, so be it. This is for men. This is a call for men, not boys. Not too deep, one deep, shoulder to shoulder. If you got to come up front, we got room. If you got to go in the back, and as David said to Solomon, I say to you strong act like a man observe the laws and decrees of God so that someone from your lineage someone from your family can take the seat that I'm leaving behind and stand for Jesus so I'm asking you to do something I'm asking you to hold both hands in the air 
I want you to grab the wrist of the dude beside you. Hold it up. We'll wait till we get to the end. ask you to work your way to the centers three feet from each other facing the other guy both lines just move in three feet from the other guy dear God here stands a band of brothers men willing to fight men willing to stand men willing to act like men I pray for your unusual power upon them. I pray that everything they touch would exalt your name. I pray for purity and integrity. I pray that we would be willing to storm the gates of hell with water guns and so be it. And I pray God that from these families and future families come the movers and shakers for Jesus Christ. We commit them to you. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And every man here said, God bless you.